Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. So as you open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3, I want to lay the foundation of the message today, taking the limits off of God. You know, the only person who limits God in your life is you. That's why last Sunday's message was so important. Because if we're not careful, we can let disappointments and distractions and other things hinder us from receiving all that God has for us. And you know, the Word of God says, enlarge yourself. Make room. And God's saying this to the body of Christ today, make room, make room. And let me tell you why, because there's a lot of people who are not going to receive what God has for them. And you know what? He's not going to keep it all for himself. He's going to give it to somebody, and it might as well be me. Amen? So it's kind of like Santa Claus, even though that's not something that we endorse here, but nevertheless, it's kind of like, I got all these gifts, I'm going to give them to somebody, well, it might as well be me, you know? I certainly didn't deserve a lump of coal this year. But anyway, uh, but you know, it's more than that. God wants to bless you with his goodness. And he's going to get his goodness out to somebody. And it might as well be you. And we have to empty ourselves of the disappointments and distractions and those things that would try to hinder what God has for our lives. And so here in Psalm 78, verse 41, it says, yes, again, and again, not only once, again and again, they tempted me. How? And limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, Psalm 78 is talking about how God took them out of Egypt, opened up the Red Sea, gave them manna from heaven. I mean, all these wonderful, great things God did. And after he did all these great, wonderful things, they kept on tempting him by limiting him. Well, yeah, he did this, but can he do this? Oh, yeah, he did this, but can he do this? Did you know that one of your weapons of warfare is your testimony? The testimony of the goodness of God. Now, I'll never forget, and, you know, I was just rehearsing, and I love to rehearse the goodness of God, what God did for this ministry, you know, and it's just been one great blessing after another. And it's just so awesome what God's done for us. I was rehearsing that. And this guy, you know, this gentleman, you know, a man of God, he said this to me. He said, if I hear you tell that story one more time, I'm going to puke. It's like, what? Don't you want to hear about the goodness of God? I want to hear about the goodness of God. You know, and so what did I do? Did I stop telling it? Well, to him I did, but not to other people. You know? Because it's a weapon. We overcome, the Bible says, by the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of our mouths. The Scripture tells us that it's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. And as I tell the goodness of God, maybe it will just entice somebody to say, hey, I want to experience what you're experiencing. How do I do that? It might be an open door for someone to say, Wow, look what God's doing for you. How is it that you got where you're at? It's all God. Amen. It's trusting God. It's believing God. It's letting God be God in your life. But they limited him. And the word limit here was 
kind of interesting as I studied it out. But it says to pain or to wound. Well, we know we can't wound God. But it means to trouble or to cause pain. In fact, the Living Translation says it like this. Again and again, they turned away and tempted God to kill them and limit the Holy One of Israel from giving them his blessings. So I thought about this, and I shared this last week, about what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 said. Therefore do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. What has a great reward? Your confidence. What does confidence include? It includes endurance, doesn't it? It includes consistency. You know, when you have confidence, you're going to be consistent. Isn't that right? If you have confidence, you're going to continue to do the right thing until you see that breakthrough in your life. If you have confidence, you're going to continue to do what the Word of God says because you know it's going to come to pass. So therefore, do not cast away your confidence, your commitment, your consistency, which has a great, say great, great reward. Not just a little reward. Not just a little pat on the back, oh, I'm just so proud of you. A great reward. That's God's plan for your life. For you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So what's the key? Do the will of God. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. We often quote Romans 3.23, how we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Romans 3.24 says that how he has freely justified us. You're just. And the just should live by faith. He justified you. And if he can justify you by your faith, can't you live by the same faith that he justified you with? Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And this is what took me a while after I read it the first time, the second time, and the third time. I was like, God, this doesn't compute with your nature. But now I understand as I read that Psalm 78. You know, when you limit the Holy One, you know, you tempt God, you cause pain, you create, you know, a, a place where God's, I don't know if He's disappointed, but he certainly doesn't have pleasure in the fact that he can't bless you the way he wants to bless you. I'll never forget the time that I offered to help somebody going in missions. I said, well, we'll help you with $1,000 a month. They said, we don't want it. It's like, what? No, we're not going we're gonna, to. We're going to do it a different way. Well, okay. How's that working for you? Well, it's not, but, you know, I think, you know, Wow. And how it, it pained me to think that you didn't want us to bless you or you didn't want the blessing of this house. You know, well, how much more does it pain God when you say, well, I don't want all your blessings? Or number two, I'm not worthy of all your blessings. Didn't he make you the righteousness of God? Didn't the blood of Jesus cleanse you of all your sins? Absolutely. And when you begin to think I'm not good enough, what you're doing is you're not reminding yourself you're not embracing that he made you righteous he put you in right standing so that he can bless you that's God's desire you know that last song we were singing I heard him practice and I thought praise God for a 
spirit-filled, led worship team. Amen. Amen. So awesome that they sang that song because it is the goodness of God that's following after us. It is the goodness of God that's going after us. It is the goodness of God that wants to overtake us. That's why the psalm says in Psalms 23, surely goodness and mercy shall overtake us all the days of our lives. God wants to bless us. So we need to take the limits off of him. How? By not drawing back. You know, he, he knows when we draw back, he can't bless us the way he wants to bless us. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, which means destruction, but we are those who believe to the saving of the soul. Tell your neighbor, I'm not drawn back, but I'm pressing in. And this is what Paul was saying there in Philippians chapter 3 when he said, this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind me. I don't dwell on them. They're nothing but distractions. But I press. I'm making an effort to move forward to obtain that which Christ obtained for me. Well, we saw in communion that scripture where he said that they be one that we would be one, so that we may experience his what? Glory. And as we experience his glory, so that the world may know what? That he was sent by God. That's why. Because it's a testimony of God's goodness to other people when they see the blessing of God overtake us. It's a testimony of God's goodness when others see the favor of God on our lives. And it's a testimony to encourage other believers when they see that favor work in our lives. I was at a missions conference one year and I talked about the favor of God that was on my life and that's, you know, my take when I, you know, I'm out, the favor of God's on my life, that's the favor of God. You know, we got our tickets upgraded so we can fly business class over to, uh, we were going to Switzerland at that time. And how do you know that business class is a lot better than the economy, Amen. especially when you're six foot six? So it's really, it was really nice. Favor of God. You know, the ticket agent said, I don't know why I'm changing your ticket, but there was only a place for one, but somebody upstairs. So we didn't know if they meant God or they meant somebody in American Airlines. But anyway, we didn't care. We just knew it was a favor of God. Amen. Amen. And uh, so the favor of God. And I was just talking about that favor. And, and uh, this one minister, you know, was just, getting a little irritated with it. And then when we were ready to leave, you know, we all decided to go stay at another hotel, and I already had reservations. And it was past the time to close out your reservation, get your money back. So I called them up. I said, you know, I'm, I'm with my friends. I'd rather go over to this hotel. It's more closer to the airport. Can I cancel the reservations and not be charged a penalty? And they said, sure. I said, that's the favor of God. So when I went up to the same hotel that they were in, I got the same room at a cheaper price. And that minister was standing to me. I said, that's the favor of God. He said, Pastor Tom Luther, I've never seen a favor like I've seen favor on you. He said, you have the favor of God. <laughs> but see, the goodness of God's a testimony to encourage other people also, right. even other believers. Because the scripture says he's no respecter of a person. And what God will do for me, he'll do for you. 
You know, do I have to be better? Do I have to do I have to do what you do? No, you don't have to emulate me. You don't have to follow me. You don't have to, you know, pattern yourself uh, after me. What you have to do is receive like I have what God says about you. That he puts you in right standing. That's what the righteousness of God is. He put you in right standing so that you can receive all of his goodness. So we are those who believe. We are not of those who draw back. Tell your neighbor, I don't draw back. All right, turn to me to Hebrews chapter 3. I don't know if I'll be able to get through this today, but I'll do my best. Therefore, holy brethren, starting with verse 1, this is what he says about you, holy brethren. This is what the word says about you, holy brethren. Partakers of the heavenly calling. Tell your neighbor, I'm a partaker of the heavenly calling. You are a partaker of the heavenly calling. You know, has that thing kind of just been a mist as you've read the word? Boy, it was for me, and I, I looked at this, I thought, man, he is talking to me. He is declaring by faith that I'm a partaker of the heavenly calling. Well, what is the heavenly calling? Well, Jesus started out like this, repent, which means to come to him, turn to him. And the Old Testament was all about God saying, if you turn to me, I can bless you. If you rely on me, I can bless you. If you rely on your own strength, it's not going to work. But if you rely on me, I can bless you. What do they do? What the children of Israel do? They tempted him. Well, can he do this? You know, I'm just tired of manna. Manna, manna, manna. Manna in the morning, manna in the noontime, manna in the evening. All we get is manna. Is that all God can do is give us manna? And, you know, I, I think, you know, how carnal of them to say, is that all God can do? When their provision was rained down to them by heaven, and not only did he do that, but he gave them twice as much so they could rest on the Sabbath. Is that all you can do, God? Is that the best you can do? Well, I split the Red Sea for you. Is that all you can do? What else do you want God to do? Well, he caused water to come out of a rock. Is that all you can do? I want some meat. Remind me of the Arby's commercial. We have the meat, you know. That old Burger King commercial. Where's the beef? You know, I want, I want, I want. And God gave them what they want, but there's a price for it. You know, he wanted them to depend on him. He would like to be their king. He would like to be the author and the finisher of your faith. He'd like to complete that thing that he started in you. That's his desire. What's the desire of his heart? To see all that he has for you to come to pass. Wow. You know what? I'm a candidate. I'm going to let him do it. That's why I have the favor of God. I'm telling you, you baptized me in favor. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I can't help but win. Everywhere I go, I'm going to win. Everything I'm going to do, I'm going to succeed at. Why? Because of the favor of God. And favor and grace, they're parallel. They're basically the same word. Favor is in the definition of, of, of grace. It's because of the grace of God, not because of me, because of what he's done. I just have decided to put the old things behind me. Well, pastor, you think you're some kind of saint? No, I don't think I'm some kind of saint. You know, if you knew my old nature, you would say, I don't know how God could ever bless you. 
And I've called some of my friends and made reacquaintance with some, some of my friends that I went to high school with and even college in those earlier days. They said, you sure hid that calling well from us. <laughs> but, you know, I have to put those things behind me. They're under the blood. That old man's dead. Amen. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. That's you. That's me. God's plan for me is put those things behind me so I can receive. Bury them. Don't raise them back up. So I'm a partaker of that heavenly calling. So Jesus said, come to me. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he went on to say this. When you pray, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. He wants you to experience heaven on earth. That's his plan. That's his plan for Adam. Where did Adam make his big mistake? Adam made his big mistake when he was convinced that he should decide what is evil and what is good. That's where he made his big mistake. Most people don't realize, but that's where he made his big mistake. He wanted to decide the standards. God says, no, I have these standards to live by. And he's, he said, no, I'll decide what standards to live by. I'll decide what's good and what's evil. Isn't that what's going on in our society today? And see, the problem with that is that man will never, ever reach that level of expectation. And so as long as man decides what's evil and good, they will always lower the expectation to be inclusive to everybody. God wants everybody inclusive. It's not his will that any man perish. But the scripture goes on and says, you know, he was tempted like we were in every manner. But that's why he came, so that when we yield to that temptation and sin, we're forgiven. Because the scripture says we have this advocate in 1 John, that if we do sin, he's forgiven us. And so it goes all the way back to one thing. Go after him with your whole heart. That's what it boils down to. Following after God, like Paul said. Forgetting those things which are behind. Pressing on to those things which are ahead. So is that heavenly calling? That heavenly calling is that you can be a partaker of the goodness of God. Ephesians chapter 2, four verses. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7 says, But God who is rich in mercy. Say rich in mercy. Mercy is just nothing but the goodness of God. That's a definition of it. One of the definition of it. Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he's made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And you've been raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches in ages to come. When was this written? Almost 2,000 years ago. Are we in the ages to come based on when this was written? Yes. So what's he want to do? He wants to show us his exceeding riches. I want to experience it. I don't know about you. Of his grace, the riches of his favor. See, remember, grace and favor, they're parallel. They go hand in hand. One of the definitions of grace is unmerited favor. 
exceeding riches of his favor. That's why you can say, man, I've been baptized in the favor of God. And when you have favor, I'm telling you what, you have an expectancy that everything's going your way. We sang a song in this musical, Oklahoma, Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I have a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. And if you haven't seen the musical, you don't know the song. But you know what? I sing that. I have a feeling. Everything, everything is going God's way. Woo! Glory to God. Because this is the day that the Lord has made. And he made it with you on his mind. He's thinking, oh, I can hardly wait till they get up so I can bless them. So I can pour out my goodness on them. So they experience my favor. So they experience my blessing. Hallelujah. So that we can experience and might show us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards Christ Jesus. Well, here in verse 7, it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear his voice. Well, the second thing to taking the limits off of God is to hear his voice. And John 10, chapter, uh, John 10 verses 1 through 6 talks about how we are his sheep. And we know his voice, and we hear his voice, and we follow his voice but we don't follow the voice of a stranger. Some people say they struggle hearing God, but you know what? God's not in this booming voice that sounds like thunder. Oh, it's happened. It's been recorded. There are, uh, there are those who maybe have had experience with God, maybe have heard a voice of God, but for most of us, it's that leading of the Spirit is God leading us. That's his voice is leading us, this intuition that says, I ought to be doing this, or God wants me to do this, or God wants me to say this. That's his spirit leading us. That's the way he really speaks to most of us, small, still voice. Even with Elijah, when he was in the mountain, you know, the winds came and broke the rocks and the fire came, and yet God said, I'm not in all that. I'm in the still, small voice, that small voice, that voice that's in your spirit. That's where I'm at. That's, again, why we need to remove the distractions of this world so we can sit and hear what the Spirit of God says. If you'll not harden, his vo- harden your hearts as they did. Hebrews 3 and 4 is really talking about Psalm 78. What the children of Israel did wrong that limited God. So don't harden your heart to the voice of God. And if you're struggling hearing from God, just put your hands on your ears and say, my ears are anointed to know God's voice, to hear God's voice, and to follow God's voice. And that's what I do on a regular basis. I lay my hands on my ears. I say, thank you, God, that I can hear your voice, that I I know your voice, and I can hear your voice. And the scripture says, test every spirit, try him. No spirit's going to say Jesus is of God. So I test the spirits. All right, tell me Jesus is God, God in the flesh, you know. And uh, there was a time or two where I was zealous for the Lord, and I heard this voice, jump up and give a word from the Lord. I didn't know what the word was. 
So I said, okay. Voice, whoever you are, tell me Jesus is God in the flesh. And I heard this mocking laugh. I thought, well, I'm not going to jump up. Do anything. I'm going to sit here and let the preacher finish his message. Amen? So glad I did. You know, but the enemy does sometimes try to use spiritual things, things that look spiritual to get you off course. Test those spirits. You know, God's not mad at you if you're waiting on to hear him, but you know, he wants you to follow his voice. And sometimes we do have to take a step of faith believing that we have heard from God. Well, then here in verse 12, it says this. Beware, brother, unless there be any in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitful of sin. So again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Exhort one another. How? By sharing within the goodness of God. What's God done for you today? Well, he woke me up. In fact, you know, the very air that I breathe comes from God. Hallelujah. You know, when you look around, you start thinking about all the wonderful things that you have. Now, if you listen to the wrong stuff, watch the wrong stuff, eventually you'll be told, man, everything's, you know, just terrible. You know, there's destruction all over. And, you know, and sadly, there is some things that are going on in our nation. Violence. I don't like it. But you know what? God's goodness is on my life. God's goodness is on your life. You know, every day that I, I wake up, I say, Father, thank you, God, that you've made me an overcomer. And then when I go to bed, I say, Father, thank you for allowing me to overcome today. The goodness of God. Just thanking him for all the benefits. The Bible says he puts on us, gives us daily benefits. I want to receive more of those benefits. They're out there. I'm going to receive them. So exhort one another. This is what your testimony does. This is what you sharing the goodness of God does. And hold, verse 12, goes on to say this. Excuse me, 14. For we have become partakers of Christ. There's that word again. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. So again, Hebrews chapter 10. After you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promise. We have need of endurance. Hold of this confidence steadfast. Don't let it go. Don't let anyone steal your faith. Don't let anyone not or try to determine your destiny. I put this on Facebook today, just so much in my heart. Don't limit God, but don't let man limit you. See, mankind, because of their small-mindedness, they have limitations. But you know what? We don't need to limit what God can do through you. Take the limits off. Sometimes we have to turn a deaf ear. Sometimes I have to bind up what people say, you know, about me. Well, you know, I'm concerned or, you know, whatever they say about me. I just bind up those words of doubt and unbelief because I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm an overcomer in this life. Amen? 
the faith that God's given me is a faith to overcome. And the same with you. So hold on, the beginning of your confidence. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since the promise remains, the promise what? Remains. Remains. It hasn't gone away. That promise of Deuteronomy 28, if you hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, you know, I'll bless you in the city, I'll bless you in the field, I'll bless everything you put your hands to. Those promises are still remaining. And the promise of God, you come to me and I'll bless you. You follow me and I'll cause a blessing to come upon you. Those promises are still there. But in this situation, it says, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So let's just go back to the very beginning. After six days, God created man and woman. and He said it was, help me with this good on the seventh day he what and man enjoyed what what god created now that's the rest of god to enjoy what he's created or to enjoy what he's provided for you and so the scripture says here let us enter into that rest what is that rest that rest is let us enter into what god has created and made and intended for us. That's that rest. He's done the work. Let us enter into that rest. In fact, one scripture says, you know, let's work to enter into that rest. That work means let's keep our faith out there that we can enter in and not let the distractions of this world say we can't have what God says we can have. Because that's what the world's saying all the time. But I believe I can have what God says I can have. Amen. I believe you can do what God says you can do. I believe you can go where God says you can go. You can live where God says you can live. You can work where God says you can work. You can have whatever position in your place of employment, whatever position God says you can have. Amen? Because I believe God's for you. So the promise remains that we can experience his rest, and his rest is what? The goodness of God, what he created for us. Oh, this is so simple to break down and understand, isn't it? So salvation is easy. He's provided a way for you to be saved. Healing's easy because he's already provided healing. I know I need to share this today. I've said it before, but I knew in my spirit when I was praying today to share this again. Truth always overcomes facts. We don't deny what's going on in our lives. We just deny those things that try to hinder us from overcoming us. That's what faith does. We've been empowered to overcome. We are overcomers in this life. And though fact may say, you know, when your, your nose is, is, you got the sniffles and a sore throat or fever, facts may say that your body is sick. That's the facts. The doctor may say, you know, you may have some type of flu or cold or whatever or ailment, that might be a fact. Truth overcomes fact. Speak the truth. You're not denying by speaking the truth. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. This week, went to our son's house, got there Monday night, had a quick dinner with him, and then Tuesday went over to their house. So anyway, I'm kind of looking around and stuff, he said, uh, 
Well, would you like to help me? Well, that's, I, I love to help, you know. So what do you need? Well, I want to mount my TV here, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. It's okay. He said, I want to finish painting this room. Oh, man, I didn't bring my painting clothes. <laughs> anyway, so Tuesday night, we, we got all the stuff and mounted the TV and everything. He's working side by side. So I said, okay, I'll go to Home Depot, and I'll buy those disposable coveralls. I'll help you paint in the morning, you know. I mean, I'm dad. You know, I love being dad. Went out and bought all the paintbrushes and rollers and my 18-inch roller. And uh, I'm a champion painter with the 18-inch roller. But anyway, so got that. You know, got to his house, and I mean, he's, he's out. I mean, he's just wiped out because he got sick. I'm next to him, you know, all day. I'm, I was next to him that night, the night before, and everything. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. Got the grandsons out, so we got that room all painted. Really looking great. And he was sick the next day. Couldn't go to Thanksgiving with us. So anyway, I come home Friday, and it's just like, oh, my gosh, the same symptoms are on me. You know? Boy, I rose up, and I said, no, sir. Uh-uh. No, I went to bed feeling bad, and I woke up feeling great. Amen? Glory to God. I'm not having it. I declared. Well, don't, doesn't your son have faith? Absolutely he has faith. You know, but the fact was that something was trying to get on me. But the truth said that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me and will quicken my mortal body. The truth says that by his stripes I am healed. And fall asleep until about three o'clock that night, you know. And I mean, about every 10 minutes, I said, Nope, I'm healed. Nope, nope. The truth overrides, the truth overcomes. Amen. Amen. I'm not giving in to this thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, he's feeling better, praise God. But I got through it a little quicker, you know. And I'm not saying he doesn't have faith, you know. His, his children went through some things and before he got it, so praise God, he took care of them. But you know what? I chose to believe the truth above the facts and become an overcomer. Healing is easy. Why? Because he's already provided it. He's already provided, so we just have to receive it. I'm going to share something here. I think it's in my notes, but it says, you know, about Jesus being the author of the confession of our faith. Don't let go of your confessions. You know, fact may say one thing, but you know what? Your confessions of God's truth turns facts around. So the promise remains. God's promises are still there. You can enter in what he's already done, the works that he's already provided. And then we look at this. It says, for indeed, verse 2, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in a way, and God rests on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter in it, those to whom it was first preached do not enter in because of disobedience. 
And again, it designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after a long time, as has been said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your voice, harden your heart. For if it was Joshua had given them rest, then it would have been not afterwards. So what is he saying here? He's saying the rest of God is available for you and me. Is anything too hard for God? When the man who had the epileptic son brought him to his disciples and said, you know, I brought my son to your disciples and they couldn't do anything. You know, Jesus said, if you only believe, all things are possible. What did the man say? He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm finding myself doing this more and more lately. Lord, purge me of unbelief. I'm not using the word of unbelief, but I'm saying purge me of those things that hinder me from believing the word of God. Disappointments, setbacks, things that didn't come to pass the way I thought they should come to pass. Purge me of all those things because all those things are designed to create an atmosphere of unbelief. Purge me of anything and everything. I'm going to share one more scripture with you. Go with me to Isaiah 54. Are we doing okay this morning? Sing, O barren. There's a time to sing. The time to sing is when things aren't going well and when things are going well. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. No, always. Sing, you who have not born. Break forth in the singing and cry aloud. You have not labored with child, for more are the children of desolate than the children of married women, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. How many of you know that you are the tent of the Holy Spirit? You are that place he's talking to enlarge. You need to enlarge yourself. Why does God want to enlarge you? Just so that you can be bigger? No. He's not asking you to enlarge yourself just so you can be bigger. He's wanting you to enlarge yourself so that you can experience more. That's why he wants you to be enlarged. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand. Folks, we're expanding. You're expanding. That's increase. To the right and to the left. Your descendants will inherit the nation's and make the desolated cities inhabited. Now, folks, I want to let you know that Columbia is a nice city to live in. It's wonderful. I love it. But spiritually, it's desolated. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to change the atmosphere of our city. Hallelujah. The fear of God. The fear of God. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. This is what God's saying to us. Let's press on in. Let's enter into that place he's already made for us. Let's get rid of or deposit all those disappointments, those setbacks, those things that try to hinder our faith. Let's get rid of them. Let's empty ourselves of those things so that God can fill us with his glory. So the man said, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. And so those are some things that I've prayed lately. Lord, purge me of those things that are trying to eat away at my, what I believe that you can do for me. 
And Lord, help me to believe in a greater way. How do you do that? Well, Jude 20 says, build yourself up upon your most holy faith. Folks, we need the Holy Ghost like we've never had the Holy Ghost. We need to be praying in tongues like we've never prayed in tongues before. Why? Because we're praying out mysteries. We're declaring the will of God when we're praying in the Spirit. We need to pray like never before. Why? Because we're building ourselves up. Building ourselves to do what? Receive what He's already provided for us. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.